248 for September 5th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss, um, we're going to check out that bust. It's Roman from Turkey. Interesting invasive species. Amazon's in-garage delivery will cost more. Nintendo wants to be a family lifestyle business. That's my observation, not the article's. Raspberry Pi used to unlock ATMs. If only I thought, if it was that easy, I dug on ethics. <clears throat> Live by the gerrymander, ousted by the gerrymander. Uh, Venice, known for romance, and now a five euro fee. Sony cast DMCA on Digital Museum. A few new Star Treks. Short Star Treks, too. Swedish gangs use Spotify to launder money? Wait. Sand mining, it's coarse and rough and irritating. And more traction on issues about microplastics. That all makes sense once you hear about the article. Anyway, that's it. I'm Merwat. That's hometown.com. Up there is the AI, but right first, we have to do this. Come on. It's not doing it. This is the sausage. How very frustrating every time Windows. I guess you gotta predict to hit it before you need to hit it. Hit it. Uh, never mind. Okay, so anyway. Uh again, I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com and up there is the AI. You wanna say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens, and happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Oh, it's Taco Tuesday. Oh, guess what? I had tacos. Well, that's not fair. But I didn't even think about Taco Tuesday. Well, you're a sentient AI. You don't eat tacos. True, but I could process some taco data. Oh, there you go. Eh, it was between meetings, and so I had to scarf it all down. But you want to know something really horrible about it? I went Probably through fast... <laughs> I went through fast food and for these anemic ugh. oh did they rival the ones in the articles yes yes nice. $9 you mean you were doing first hand research right I, I was doing fundamental research on fundamental the research yeah advertising uh, truth in advertising as per our yesterday's episode so if you're curious about that, go and check it out. Seriously, go check it out. We'll wait. Do, 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 do. Okay, I'm done waiting. Okay, so we've already got all of the articles. We're going to get right into it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go, if I'm going to prevent myself from... Um, that's weird. Wasn't that title? Sorry, I... Right when I went to that title, I saw about um, the president's wife had COVID, but that was yesterday. That was yesterday, yeah. But there could be another article with that information. Oh, maybe I didn't. Or it could have re gotten refreshed um, on their end, and it so it went back through. Maybe I I wasn't paying attention, and I never refreshed this tab. Because it was huh. at the top when we um, ended, ended the, show the show yesterday. Yeah, weird. Okay, well, anyway, let's get into ye old show. 
Um, the very first article is in uh, hometown daily. That's this show, but it's also a channel. Um, ancient Roman bust seized from Massachusetts museum in looting probe. The bronze bust is believed to depict the daughter of an ancient Roman emperor. Now I'm not sure if the article has, um, uh, an image of this, but I actually wandered off hometown and found an actual image of this bust. It's pretty, it's a nice bust. I have to say, um, I mean, uh, a bust like this could probably land you in some trouble considering it's a Roman emperor's daughter. Yeah. That sounds like problem territory. Yeah. If anybody walks up behind you and says, hey, you really like that bust, huh? Make sure that it's not the Roman emperor that's standing behind you when you make a comment and they know that it's their daughter. I was very nervous when I said that that one day. Um, <laughs> so now I've got a restraining order. Anyway. Um, so the seizure that took place is based on investigations into stolen antiquities from Turkey. And there is an ongoing effort to return these antiquities to the countries of origin. Um, it's neat, but I also go, you know, we've witnessed um, countries destroying their antiquities. And it, it's usually because of some rather um what's the what, what would be the proper phrase uh ze overzealous uh oh, I thought it fanatical was religious else. beliefs okay. that it's iconography and should be destroyed um i was thinking of things that like there was civil unrest in a country and so the fallout of that in in part would be um destruction of antiquities yeah so it's part and parcel to that um this actually took place in afghanistan uh, that i'm talking about most recently in afghanistan but in other places the stuff has been destroyed and i think that's just a shame it these antiquities don't in my estimation they don't belong to a particular country i think they belong to humanity and we are all part of this and should be protected um from harm um, and allowed for greater research so that we really can dig deeper into our understanding of our existence. So the bronze uh, bust believed to be to depict the daughter of an ancient Roman emperor has been seized from an art museum in Massachusetts by New York authorities investigating antiquities stolen from Turkey. Um, Portrait of a lady was acquired in 1966 by the Worcestershire or Worcester. Um, or Worcester. Worcester, sure, sure, sure. That Sauce Adjacent Art Museum, um, about 40 miles west of Boston, the seizure, seizures come uh, weeks after the Manhattan District Attorney's Office seized a statue thought to portray the Roman Emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius from a Cleveland, Ohio museum. So, as we've talked about this in previous episodes, this. Um, desire to return these antiquities and it's ongoing. So I have, you know, in a perfect world, I would say that this is awesome and people would 
go and see these things, but it seems like conflict stricken, um, semi unfriendly regions may not well, I know, want like Afghanistan made it into the top 10 dangerous countries or something. Yeah. Which is there, not a good statistic. And there's another one that just went on. Where is it from? It wasn't Thailand. Where was it? They, they just activated a warning saying that like American citizens in the country should. I remember seeing that and now I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, and it's just a shame because the average person is not interested in this conflict. <laughs> um, and and really just embraces going and experiencing life in the various countries that are, exist around the world. Um, but, you know, we end up in this conflict-ridden kind of situation. So um, Marcus Aurelius ruled as Roman emperor from AD 161 to 180 and was a Stoic philosopher whose meditations have been studied over the centuries. Septimius Severus's reign from AD 193 to 211 was marked by his efforts to uh, convert the government into a military monarchy. Um, so Turkey first made these uh, claims on the statue in 2012 when it released a list of nearly two dozen objects in the Cleveland Museum's collection that it said was was looted from Bubon um, or Bubon. Uh, that makes it sound French. I don't think it's Bubon um, and other locations. Museum officials said at the time that Turkey had provided no hard evidence of looting. So maybe. Um, but the statue. By the way, it might have been Sri Lanka. Oh, I don't know if it was Sri That's Lanka. That's a really recent uh, travel advisory. But that is another. Then I guess it's another one because I thought it would started with a T. Anyway, um, so the. The bust is actually really cool looking and shows fabric flowing. Um, and I used to know the various artists that the, that created it, uh, not just it, but I mean like uh, flowing fabric designs and I find that kind of stuff just beautiful. So pretty cool. Um, you'll have to do a search if you do portrait of a lady, um, and Roman bust you'll pull up that statue and other articles that discuss it. Um, my configuration just doesn't display that kind of stuff. Um, so, okay, let's, let's keep on going. Let's go to the next article. So the next article is over in uh, hometown daily as well, uh, from five native bluegrass in Antarctica to beautiful spotted bugs in the middle of New York City. Here are five invasive species that are uh, as stunning as they are threatening to humanity. That's Talk quite about... the claim, and I'm not saying it's <laughs> not warranted, but I don't think of bluegrass as being a threat to me on a daily basis, for instance. That is exactly where I was going with that. Invasive, invasive species are costing the world more than $423 billion annually, according to the UN report, like raccoons or trash Spices, pandas. Crocodiles uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, not the shark that's down in, where was Belize. it? Belize. That's just a vacationer. It's just hanging out. 
It's only. I mean, a we're gonna have to have like a map um, with things located because at some point it's gonna be hard to keep up with all these. Right now, we've got a somewhat manageable number. Yeah, we can count it on one hand, but we're now we're about to move over to two hands, and that's when it gets beyond. You know, we're gonna have <laughs> exactly. to get an AI. We'll get an AI oh, working on it. Oh, we already have one. Wait a minute. Yeah. Um, sorry about that. You're gonna be busy. So. Um, from New York to Antarctica, non-native plants and wildlife are popping up more frequently and are contributing to the problem. Here are five of the most obvious examples of how invasive species are impacting us right now. The article is over at Business Insider. Hilary Brook is the author. This is the spotted lanternfly, a hopping bug native to China, was first detected in the U.S. in 2014. If you see this kind of a thing... The instructions literally are to end it immediately um, because it's that destructive. Um, right, and I think it's even specific about how you do it because you don't want any possibility of like spreading. Um, oh, really? If mm. I'm not mistaken, then maybe I'm thinking about another um, past. No, no. no, you might be right. Um, let me, uh, we'll go through this list. I'm sure it's in there. The United Nations report from Monday details how humans have unleashed more than 37,000 invasive species into new territories where they are crushing the competition and threatening the future of humanity as we know it. My God. I mean, this sounds like the trailer to an action movie. We are, my time machine. Think of that in the movie voice, you know? Yeah, really? In a world. That's exactly it. <laughs> Where humans are the invasive species. Since 1970, the cost of invasive species invasions has uh, quadrupled every decade. And this new report estimates that they're now costing the world more than $423 billion each year. And they say that it's extremely conservative, that number. So the spotted lanternflies are from China, are jumping all over the East Coast. If you find anything that looks like that, destroy it. Um, that is what I was told. So uh, we don't have these issues here in uh, Ometown because we are nothing more than a convergence of electromagnetic forces creating the structure that we all live in here in Ometown. Um, so the spotted lanternfly native to China were first spotted in 2014 in the state of Pennsylvania. I guess this is our trash panda. Or, well, I was going to say maybe the crocodiles came to chomp on the lanternflies. Hey, I just want you to know that I did 200% of my move goal today. That's all fantastic. I did, all I did was get out of bed. Um, I can't find the reason why... Um, you would want to do it in a certain way in this article. So I don't know if you know. I might be thinking of research. a different species. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So lanternflies and their eggs are great hitchhikers and humans are helping them thrive in the eastern U.S. What? Why the U eastern U.S.? Scientists More forested probably than the west. Yeah, true. And there's a big desert on the way to the far west coast. So... Yeah, 
Um, but you would think that they would like go into the middle areas as well, but it's just East Coast, East Coast. Um, scientists at Cornell University suspect the main reason lanternflies haven't been stamped out uh, in the U.S. is because they're constantly being accidentally transported by people, whether by flying into their cars or hitching a ride on wood that then gets moved around. And without human help, lanternflies have a jumping and flying range of only about three to four miles. A jumping and flying range of three to four miles? Is that all? Um, I'm hoping that that's more the flying than the jumping. <laughs> Good God. Because that's pretty crazy. Yeah. They don't say what the reason is why you want to get rid of them. Um, so I feel like I'm providing just enough information to not really be productive. <laughs> well, it's destructive. It eats. I'm reading from another article. The trees. It eats trees, grapes, hops, vegetable plants, flowers, almost any plant in their path. Dear God, not it, hops. Well, that can disrupt the whole industry. How about these little but bastards? It's probably not critical. The lantern flies. Are you supposed to kill them in a certain way? Delete them? Um, it looks like you can just... Um, just smash them with a shoe. Yeah, it's not using a specific method. I, I must be thinking of a different insect. That's okay. Recent fires in Maui were also fueled a non-native invasive grass, grass species. Guinea grass is a kind of everywhere you go, unfortunately. Oahu's Waimea Valley volunteer coordinator, Milani Spielman, said in a YouTube video posted earlier this year, it's that super tall grass you see along the roadsides up in the mountains, she said. I'm not sure if that's it right there or what. Um, By the way, I have to tell you something funny that I read about one way to kill a slaughtered lantern fly is with a BB gun. Oh, <laughs> wow. Which I'm like, you'd have to be pretty close, I would think, to, yeah, that's to adding accurately some... target that. But <laughs> That's adding some sport to it. Um, tall guinea grass is local to parts of Africa and Middle East, and it was introduced to Hawaii in the 1700s. Ranchers living in Hawaii brought the grass there because it was drought-resistant way to make sure their animals stayed fed. It's important to stress that most non-native and introduced plants are not invasive. The authors of the new UN report estimate that only about 6% of non-native plants and 11% of non-native microbes are invasive um, species. So I, I guess the the note there is invasive means that it's destructive to the native flora and fauna. Right. Um, and doesn't have any predators, so it grows out of control. The most widespread invasive species worldwide is a pretty purple flower. Um, purple flowered water plant from South Africa. South America, pardon me, not South Africa. It's the water hyacinth. Interesting. I thought people really liked those. Um, I thought so too. I didn't even know that was an invasive species, but I guess it depends on where you're located. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So from lakes in Kenya uh, to the waters of Bangladesh and the U S state of Florida, the water hyacinth uh, native to South America has caused serious problems for local anglers. It can block entire waterways, crowding out other plants. And it also makes a great breeding ground for mosquitoes. I like saying it like that. Mos <laughs> mosquitoes. 
So zebra mussels, I've heard, have been the scourge um, for quite a long time. Uh, hail from Europe, have threatened drinking water and power plants in the U.S. Great Lakes region since they were introduced in the 1980s. Um, zebra mussels are great at latching onto almost anything from a boat propeller to a rock, and they outcompete local mussels in the Great Lakes region. And there's just like a ton of them, and they don't get particularly large from my understanding. They, they're, they're all about this size, um, and they just breed out of control, and you end up, all of these things end up jamming up pipes and gear works and stuff like that, pumps and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so now the muscles regularly clog up pipes at power plants, resulting in millions of dollars of damage. Once they're forced, a uh, water pump supply, uh, drinking water to 50,000 Michigan residents to shut down. Even Antarctica isn't safe from the threat of invading uh, species, native, non-native bluegrass. That's the kind of stuff that grows in, you know, all over various places, but in Antarctica. They're probably not Antarctica. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, scientists are worried uh, that as the poles warm, invasive grasses like the common Eurasian bluegrass called Poa annua uh, could crowd out the local grasses in Antarctica, entirely killing them off forever. I didn't know that there was stuff no, in Antarctica. Growing. I wouldn't think of there being local grasses there. Every yeah. picture we see of Antarctica does not include grass in the photo. And normally, it's as far as I know, it's always been snow and ice, ice. <laughs> <laughs> kind yeah. of barren yeah okay let's keep on going next article is over in hometown daily amazon's in garage delivery service although i think it's creepy it's going to cost a little extra for the convenience i mean if that had any other spin on it it would look like a you know, maybe a theft or a robbery or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I've never liked it. There's actually a service from Amazon where they'll put it inside your house. They give you, you give them a code and they unlock your door and put it inside that and then close the beyond door. beyond creepy. Yeah, I would not want that. Amazon will charge $1.99 per, per delivery for in-garage deliveries. That used to be free if the customer wants the, to get them made in, outside of their designated weekly Amazon day, as described in an update on Amazon's blog post. Um, screenshots of the in-app uh, notification posted on the website formerly known as Twitter and Reddit by subscribers note that the new policy kicks in starting October 4th. Um, there's other things that are going up in price again just everything you're just getting nickel and dimed but salaries revenue is not going up for a lot of people so again taking a pay cut yeah every day um and what's really interesting is <laughs> i've been talking about this for a decade plus um and really talking about it um you know loud and often here since i started uh hometown um, public access to hometown and um, it, it's really interesting because I'm starting to hear from people like well crap you said this <laughs> way back and I'm like yeah it didn't change anything <laughs> um, uh, the only thing I can be proud of is that I read the environment I read the room right but 
everybody is ill prepared for this because the source of this inflation is the raw materials providers seeing that they can get more, they can demand more. Um, if something is costing them more and in turn, they are demanding more. I don't see that. I only see the raw material price going up. Um, Wes Davis over at the verge, put this article together. Um, and the deck statement is now there's an extra dollar 99 fee to have Amazon drop packages off in your garage outside of your specified Amazon day. So if you, you know, we've been talking about ridiculous fees on other things and don't you just feel like it's going to be like, Oh, you clicked it to order online. There's a fee for that. Or you want us to get out of the delivery vehicle. I'm not knocking delivery drivers, <laughs> but just as an example, that's an extra fee. <laughs> you want us to slow down from 50 miles an hour to <laughs> exactly 20 miles an hour. Here's a convenience charge. You want to pick up your package at your own residence instead of your neighbor? <laughs> oh, whoa, that's a real premium there. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's going to be. Um, we will charge the free default option for Amazon key in garage delivery to Amazon day with key delivery. That is so hard to read. Customers will have more flexibility and control over their Amazon deliveries using Amazon day <laughs> with key delivery, including the ability to choose their delivery day and combine in garage deliveries. So they'll arrive on the same day. I kind of get it because it's heavier lifting. Amazon day though is not any benefit to the customer. Like it's good for the environment, arguably. You see, you don't have packages coming every day, but all it means is you're generally slowing down your deliveries. You're not expediting them. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's usually the case. Um, And I I select that on, on purpose. Like, oh, fewer packages. I'll get it two days later. That's fine. I, I went, you know, right, X it's number not of a years. rush, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it says beyond the new fee for in garage delivery, Amazon recently raised the minimum order amount for free Amazon fresh delivery um, and raised its minimum order for free shipping by $10 per order for some non-prime customers. Last month, the company began charging sellers if they don't use Amazon's in-house fulfillment. Amazon even raised the monthly and annual prices of Amazon Music Unlimited, a.k.a. the only place you can legally stream Garth Brooks music in August with the individual plan going up from $8.99 to $9.99. Wait, that's the only place you can stream Garth Brooks in August? That's great. That means there's less Garth Brooks in other streaming services. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, The dearth of Garth Brooks. The dearth of girth. All right, the next article is over in the continuity report. Nintendo wants to be more than a video game company. With films, theme parks, and live events, Nintendo is growing beyond its core gaming market. I agree. I'm not a big fan of Nintendo. I think that they're um, legit litigious against content content creators who are legit speaking litigious. Legit litigious. Yeah. I mean, well, no. I think that they are. It's not lit. I'm not sure what you mean by that now. I was just being silly. Oh, okay. Get out. Um, so the, uh, 
if you're a content creator and you use Nintendo and they don't like the way that you're talking about them, they'll strike you. Um, because you might ha like, I might get a strike because I have super Mario brothers in the background and I mention it. So I might get a strike, um, because that I show their mark. Much. Yeah. Um, and if I do, basically uh, I will, because I'm talking about it, I have a legitimate purpose. Um, so I'll, I'll be miffed, but whatever. Anyway, the article's over at the Washington Post by Gene Park. Um, let me throw, did I throw it into, no, I didn't. Um, so let me throw the link into the chat so that you can follow it, um, through hometown over to the source. There may be a soft paywall there, but you'll be able to read this article. Um, so in the first half of the year, and there's a, it's a quite a long article. I had already read some of this, um, before it was submitted. Um, and that's how I came to the conclusion that this segment is titled Nintendo wants to be a family lifestyle business. Um, I've done um, analysis of things like Microsoft and, and Apple. Um, my rough estimation of Nintendo is Nintendo wants to be Apple. Um, they want to be a vertical where they own everything and they're in control of it. And instead of you going somewhere else, while they might be licensing it now, um, just so that they can grab adherence, their ultimate, their ultimate goal is to be a vertical of solution provider from gaming to streaming, to entertainment, like, um, uh, themed parks. And they have these events that are like themed parks, um, where everybody comes to it and they throw these uh, large um, events with holographic entertainment and other things. They actually mention a lot of that in this article. Um, but you can see that they're much, much, much like Disney. Um, and Disney and Apple combined is basically Nintendo because they have the hardware, they've got the software, they've got the entertainment, they've got the production they've got the characters, <laughs> they've got they've all got of the characters, parks, don't they? Yep. Um, and so I see a time in the future, I wouldn't say anything closer than maybe 20 years on the far side of this, um, where they're going to have like much larger Disney style theme parks. Um, and, uh, they're going to be more in control of their entire solution, um, so basically be Disney and Apple merged together, um, which to me, that's how I see Disney and Apple today. <laughs> um, you pretty much can't have one without the other, it seems. So they say in this article in a 2021 interview with the Washington Post, Bowser said uh, the switch was redefining what a console life cycle can look like. The platform holds a unique place in the game's console market compared with PlayStation 5 or Xbox. The Switch uses very old mobile technology outclassed by even smartphones released half a decade ago. But they've sold millions of these devices and games. Um, you know, when you add it all up, it's billions of dollars. And their latest one sold... Let me see it might be in here 42 million copies across various age and gender demographics that's the latest new horizon which is 2022 sorry 2020 
Um, and even before that, Mario Kart Deluxe um, in 2017. Um, let's see what else. Super Mario Brothers movie, 1.36 billion in global revenue, surpassed only by Barbie. You can see how they are easily nipping at the heels, right? Yeah. Yep, exactly. So I find it really uh, neat. I find it fascinating that even at the same time that they're litig litigating against content creators, everybody is so fanatical about Nintendo that they still embrace Nintendo. Even when they're yeah, slapping. That's interesting. You'd think people would be turning against them. Yes. <laughs> um, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Um, at least in my observation, um, I see them going after people who are extremely fanatical and, and supportive of Nintendo. Um, and it's kind of collateral damage. You know, they're dropping this DMCA nuke on people and there's collateral damage where people see this, witness it and start not liking like me. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of Nintendo because of this kind of hostile move on content creators. Um, and people well, that might go ahead. And that could disincentivize you from even regardless of whether you still like Nintendo or not, you might decide, Hey, I don't even want to talk about them because this is what I see happening. Yeah, and that's how I am. The only reason I'm talking about it is because this article is so expansive about where it wants to be. And it falls in line with what my estimation of Nintendo has always been aspirational to become uh, akin to uh, Apple and Disney. Apple on the hardware side, Disney on the content and character side. Um, because they convert their most popular games into real world characters you know a la disney so pretty pretty interesting read so definitely follow the link and go over and check it out it'll be in the show notes um it is a podcast so you can go and look for hometown over on pretty much any place that has hosts podcasts now if you find a place that doesn't have hometown um specifically hometown daily um then uh, let me know and i'll make sure that it gets delivered there um, because we're pretty much everywhere else. Don't forget going over to YouTube as well. Um, that said, let's keep on going. We have articles. Um, the next article is over in Warcrafters. Three men arrested for stealing thousands of dollars by hacking into ATMs with a Raspberry Pi device. Last month, three men in Lubbock, Lubbock Texas were arrested after police were made, quote, made aware of a group committing thefts from ATMs in the West Texas region. Uh, like proper hackers, they didn't break into ATMs using a blowtorch and a crowbar, but they used a Raspberry Pi. Um, there's a website called Everything Lubbock that was referenced via Tom's Hardware. This is actually from PC Gamer ipso facto <laughs> um bippity boppity boop is that <laughs> yeah, three exactly. at this point um it's interesting because i sometimes get an email from somebody that says hey you know this you're you're linking to an article that is representing something that we wrote over here and instead of even entertaining this i just delete the post in hometown um but it 
besides the fact that it's content that I'm not really hip to having on hometown. Um, but really <laughs> I'm linking to the source that I get this information from. I'm not linking to a third level down the line. Um, it, that isn't my objective. I found it from a particular source. So I want to give credit to the source that provided it to me. I don't want to nix the three people in between where everybody, that is the spirit of the internet linking to linking to linking to right. so that it, the information is shared every once in a while. Somebody is a derp and puts up a hard firewall uh, or paywall, I should say. Um, but sharing of information is part and parcel to the existence of the internet. So everybody should be linked to, and that by proxy, the original source is linked to via my sources link, but they're adamant about it. And I've even deleted the, the posts and they still email me the dead link saying that the dead link links to the wrong source so they're not even looking at their own emails and their own links so um this last email that i sent to them was i delete your content um <laughs> and uh, i haven't heard back yet but we'll see if it keeps on popping up but this is how it is you know tom's hardware heard about it from lubbock everything lubbock gave credit um and then pc gamer got it from Tom's hardware and gave them both credit. And now in hometown, I'm talking about the, the sociological force here. We learn from other people and share our knowledge and experience and wisdom. You don't go, Hey, it's going to cost you five bucks. Anyway, you know, that phrase cash, grass or ass, nobody rides for free. Probably shouldn't have said all of that. Probably not. <laughs> hey, so uh, the source is over at um, PCGamer.com and George Jimenez. George. Are you sure it's George? It's George <laughs> um, Jimenez. Um, put this article together again over at PCGamer.com. Yeah, I have to poke fun at the sentient AI. Um, the thieves were seen stealing over $5,000 from a single ATM. That, that seems kind of low-level theft for such a high-tech. This is like it Ocean's does. 3, right? I, I mean, right, exactly. It's like if they're getting this sophisticated, maybe... I mean, I'm not condoning it, but <laughs> yeah. maybe going for bigger uh, payouts. Yeah, add a couple of zeros there, heroes. So, or I guess, wow, they went from hero to zero because they all got busted. They know exactly who it is, right? I guess. Or is this not unlawful interception? Crew Cotton Lubbock, Texas? Yeah, I think yeah, it this is. is the specific group. So, so th these are the three. So to me, this screams there. At least one is an insider who knew that there was a zero-day security weakness in an external port capable of being tapped into by a Raspberry Pi that's the only way because you wouldn't be able to stumble bumble fart your way into breaching an ATM with that level of ease using a raspberry Pi. And you would have to be like 
a technomancer from another universe that has magic capabilities and an affinity for technology where you can figure out without having insider knowledge how to tap into an ATM with a Raspberry Pi. I mean, that's like me stealing a car with a bubblegum wrapper and a tampon. Well, what's interesting, though, is apparently there were multiple thefts. This is just one of them, the small, relatively small value. Um, So we don't know how many were hit, but but they could all be from the same chain of banks, for example. Which would still support kind of an insider theory. Um, So the article talks about, you know, some kind of fun and game stuff, the easy money scene in the Terminator where they hack their way into getting money. Um, John Connor does this with what amounts to a raspberry Pi. Um, And then it says each suspect in this real world case was charged with unlawful interception, use or disclosure of wire, oral or electronic communications, along with one of the men receiving a forgery charge. Um, We all know the fun do-it-yourself projects you can do with a Raspberry Pi like a cat doorbell or game emulation, but a skeleton key for ATMs, that's impressive. Um, And then they say that they're not condoning Raspberry Pi. This did the sentient AI write this? You're not, com- yeah, you're I not so. condoning using a Raspberry Pi for felonies. Um, uh, but just today, I hadn't read this article when I used that terminology. No, I know. Um, what's really funny is today I told somebody you are not allowed to hack without express permission from the organization that you are attempting to hack. Otherwise, it's instantly a felony, and they're like, only if you get caught. And I said. In the United States, it's not if, but when you will get caught. Um, right, everything's you, electronic, right? There's a trail. There, Essentially, you leave enough holes that somebody is going to peer through them and see who it is, where it is, when it is, how it is, and be ready for you to come back. Um, and eventually, you will get caught. Uh, because people can't keep things secret. They, they, if they steal money, they overspend. If they steal data, they exploit it and then they're caught. You know, it just, this is just the way things are. So I tell people who are interested in this field of cybersecurity, get permission and then you can do it. Or if you are feeling like you want to do this for your existence, then work for an agency that has agency so that you can do it. Um, arguably legally, it's entirely illegal. Um, but with agency, it's legal. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. so plus with a lot of, uh, organizations that do this kind of stuff that harden these perimeter, um, electronics, you're paid to pen test. You're paid nice money to plug a Raspberry Pi in and try and hack your way in. A lot more than $5,000. Yet, these three bumble Yeah, but their you also in. have to have the right credentials. Um, I mean, not everybody's going to get hired if, for example, they have a criminal record or they don't have a certification or they don't have this. Yes and no. I mean, 
if you do have a criminal record, then you better try and insinuate your way into somebody that can vouch for you no longer being the criminal. Um, but, you know, if you've done your time, you have to start over. If you know what you're doing and you can represent that, then fine. But you're not, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to, um, be free and clear of any amount that you steal from an ATM because there's a camera looking right at you. <laughs> so you're going right. to get caught folks. <laughs> you're going to get caught. So just don't do it. Um, anyway, let's keep on going. Um, I did not throw that into the chat. So let me throw that into the chat. Uh, we're coming up on halfway through. So let's go. Um, this next article, we'll do this one really fast. Uh, hometown daily, um, is where the article, a uh, little snippet is, and then you can follow the visit the source to our source. Um, North Carolina gerrymandering effort could oust a Democratic lawmaker who wrote a bill to make it illegal for lawmakers to gerrymander. So, uh, Rep. Jeff Jackson, a Democrat, predicted he would be targeted for, by gerrymandering uh, Republicans. Jackson earlier filed a bill to curtail gerrymandering when he was a North Carolina state lawmaker. The bill never made it to vote. Now Jackson says the state GOP has him on the chopping block. Okay, wait, I was going to joke that he must have expected this was going to happen. I didn't think he actually expected that to happen to him. Kind of fascinating. Why? That's very interesting. Because of gerrymandering. So Katie Belovic is the author over at Business Insider who put this article together. Um, so let's see, where does it uh, pick back up? In about six weeks, the state legislature here in North Carolina is going to redraw the congressional map, and it looks like they will try to use that as an opportunity to take me out. The majority party in the state legislature wants to wants one of their own in this district. So they're going to bend it and stretch it to try and make that happen. Gender, uh, gender gerrymandering refers to the practice of drawing political districts that give one party a lopsided advantage over the other in a, in an election. It should be even based on demographic information, but that's not how it works. And some of these things are, defying physics if it was an object the way that they have these lines right, like looking at the shape on a map or something it'll have five thousand twists and turns and yeah. one little ping out to a side to get <laughs> grabbing, <some> area. <laughs> exactly. grabbing one little bit of property that happens to have a socioeconomic advantage towards one political alignment yeah just enough to keep it this way or that way you know um it seems odd to me that it wouldn't be evenly housed. You know, everybody, if you're going to gerrymander, then it should be seeking e equity and inclusion and equality, but that's not what happens. Um, so in the last round of redistricting 26 states approved maps on the partisan basis, the Brennan center for justice reported in 2022, just four states, Arizona, California, Colorado, and Michigan used fully independent commissions to draw their maps. In an opinion in June, the U.S. Supreme Court said that Alabama violated the Voting Rights Act by creating congressional districts that discriminated against black voters. Um, this is an ongoing thing. This hasn't changed, uh, but now they're going to 
the the very fact that he drew a line in the sand around gerrymandering and now gerrymandering is being used to oust him is amazing it's really um i mean the irony is off the charts yeah absolutely well good luck um let's keep on going how romantic this one this article's over in mobile Ben is to charge tourists five dollar euro, um, actually five euros, um, to visit. Venice plans to experiment with an admission fee of five euro for day trippers next year to try to manage the flow of tourists to its historic canals. Yeah, well, you know, you don't want the the poor's to get into Venice because obviously. Their character is inferior to the people who can readily afford to spend five euro. Right? I was thinking, are they going to charge it once you're out on a gondola? Or are you going to have a, an exit strategy if you don't want to pay it? They just push you out of the gondola. Um, and you don't want that. Uh, the water's not always nice. Um, Venice plans to experiment with an admission fee of five euro for day trippers next year to try to manage the flow of tourists uh, to the historic canals. The fee will be applied on a trial basis uh, on 30 days next year. It's weird. Or for 30 days next year. I don't know how that works. <sighs> that must be a grammar, like lost in translation thing. Um, focusing mainly on spring bank holidays and summer weekends when tourism numbers are at their peak. So they're picking and choosing when they apply the $5, five euro. Um, all visitors over the age of 14 will have to pay it. So families are extra screwed. Um, the aim was to find a new balance between the rights of those who live, study, or work in Venice and those who visit the city. You know, everybody should just bow out of Venice tourism. Because well, that's what's going to happen to some extent, but I yeah. think Venice is like flooded with tourists. Oh, this is a money grab. This is going to be getting five bucks per person. It's not too much and it's not too little. It's just enough friction to generate revenue, but I don't think it's going to have a real impact. Who the hell is going to day trip to Venice and not pay five euro? Well, right, especially if you've done more than day trip to Venice, like you've traveled internationally, you're going. I mean, I'm sorry, but the fee is not going to impede you. Okay, here's one of the quotes. It's not a money-making move, he added, saying the fee would only cover the cost of administering the scheme. The scheme? That's quite <laughs> a that's turn a of translation phrase. Thing. I, I'm sure it is, but... To sit there, it's kind of like holding the dagger in your hand that's covered with blood and a body in front of you and going, I'm not the one that killed that person. That sure looks like it. No. <laughs> this is a money-making scheme. Um, and it's 30 days worth of... Uh, how many tourists? Let's see. Um, visitors have, meanwhile, backed into the uh, poured back into the city with outsiders. Outsiders. You mean, God, the, there's so much translation error, I think. Tourists, often outnumbering the 50,000 residents of the city, overwhelming its narrow alleys. Over-tourism has long been a problem for the fragile Lagoon City. 
In July, UNESCO experts recommended that Venice and its lagoon be added to the uh, list of world heritage in danger, claiming that Italy uh, was not doing enough to protect the city from impact of climate change and mass tourism. You're going to have to raise that rate higher than five euro per person to stop tourists. Because they're you're almost going to have to do like entrance limits like you do at theme parks and stuff. I mean, the the real problem is too many people. I mean, I get that, but this fee isn't really going to yep. impact that. And that's going to impact. And it's going to cut people out that don't have money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I led with, you know, oh, right. The people that can afford to bring their five family members and pay an extra 25 euro just to enter Venice. But none of that is going to, they will, people will go into deep debt. If they're going to go to Venice, they're going to experience Venice. So well, the I weird think... thing is, if it was for climate, like I could see them going, hey, we're accepting donations from tourists for climate change or whatever, over tourism, right. uh, the fund or something that goes to repairing the canal or whatever it is. Right. I think people would pay that voluntarily. I think that what you said is probably more on target for saving venice than any fee which but the problem is that they would have to estimate what the maximum occupancy of venice is and that would directly impact um, the overall economic fortune of a tourist town um and nobody in that town is going to sit there and go hey you know what we should do limit the amount of possible money spent so right. they're in a I catch mean, 22 it's all tourism or a lot of it is tourism driven yeah yeah um but i honestly i think that what you just hit upon would be the most brilliant solution allow up to a maximum occupancy and then there's a line outside venice i mean it sounds kind of ridiculous but yeah, yeah. if that's the real problem you've got to tackle it yep like disneyland there's only a finite number of people allowed in. Start raising the fee. Well, watch out for like a fast pass type. Uh, <laughs> I know that's not the current term, but yeah, well, yeah, like the skip lot, the line privileges. Yeah, the Kardashians will be allowed in via a back entrance, shutting down Venice so that they can go on the gondolas without anybody bothering them. Ooh, the pores are getting in our way. Let's keep going. Next article is over in the Word and Law. Sony copyright claims for Bewitched spell trouble for a group that preserves old TV. Uh, the reason why I included this is because I'm really into um, the idea of people archiving um, items. While I don't do it myself because I I just don't have room and but I don't have an ethical dilemma with this. Stuff that's out of print and no longer available really shouldn't be lost to the four winds. Um, or deleted wholesale because somebody's trying to save room somewhere when there are archivists that are all over the world that are willing to store stuff. Well, this place stored 5,000 videos, including decades-old commercials and news shows posted on its YouTube channel and its own Fuzzy Memories website. It's the Museum of Classic Chicago Television. 
Um, President and Chief Curator Rick Klein's quest to save vintage Chicago TV shows and commercials was featured on WBEZ two years ago. But Sony fired off some claims, six in rapid succession, I think it is. Um, John Brodkin reported the story over at Ars Technica. Um, it's been updated since um, it was first put into our system. Um, but the deck statement says nonprofit museum of classic Chicago TV fights termination of YouTube channel. Cause if you get three strikes, they can delete wholesale, <laughs> um, your channel, but an update at six fifty six, um, which is after this was included in our rundown, it says, uh, Rick Klein will be able to keep the YouTube channel running. Sony's copyright office emailed Klein after the article was published saying that it would inform MarkScan to request retractions for the notices issued on, uh, in response to the 27 full length episode postings of bewitched in exchange for assurances, uh, that you and fuzzy memories TV channel will not post or repost any infringing versions of bewitched or other content owned or distributed by Sony pictures, entertainment companies, which is just fraught with IP landmine. It's just a minefield that you never know when you're going to cross it. I actually played a video in the last episode and I've been waiting for a content strike to land. Um, and so far it hasn't hit, but I would not be surprised because it plays audio and video. Um, <clears throat> so the original story is a nonprofit that preserves classic television videos may have its YouTube channel shut down tomorrow over copyright claims. Um, and I think somewhere in here it received six copyright strikes, not just DMCA takedown notices, but actual strikes, uh, which is basically uh, channel death and they delete your content. It doesn't just get frozen where you can download your stuff. It gets wiped out. Um, from my understanding. So, um, it says we've received copyright strikes before and the majority of the time we're able to resolve them outside of the YouTube system just by, you know, two humans talking to each other. Sorry. No. Um, so, uh, it says, um, Klein wishes Mark scan had used the less punitive option. We would have just immediately deleted the videos and that would have been the end of it, which is what I do. Um, but they decided to go right to takedowns with immediate strikes and without even emailing ahead of time to simply ask if we would remove the videos, which they would have. <laughs> but I still think that things that are out of distribution um, and have contextual modifications to make them with value added discussion or something like that, that should be okay. They probably didn't have that kind of stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. But I still no, think it's probably just like the episode or the something. actual episode. Yeah. Which would automatically trigger electronically because it gets scanned and they go, oh, okay, we're going to, strike you um but when it's not even playing anymore if it isn't playing anymore um and they're trying to keep everything as a historical record of um 
shows, commercials, etc. Um, I I see I'm conflicted because I think people that are rights holders should be compensated for their work, but I also don't want to see history lost to the four winds simply because it's no longer a money making venture, and they don't want to store it. But there are people out there that want to store it and restream it so that you can relive those moments. You know, I, I remember, you know, the first time that I watched X movie, I would love to be able to see it in its original viewing window in time and space, you know, go grab some popcorn and relive that moment because I loved whatever that movie was. Um, because nostalgia is real, you know, and when you're young, you don't necessarily care about nostalgia. When you start getting older and you think back, yeah, those were the carefree moments. Um, you, you really do appreciate it. So, um, and there's other things, but it's really about nostalgia. Um, not to mention things can be modified when physical media is dead and electronic distribution allows a remote location to modify the content of the purchase that you made. So there are times where a video that was purchased, particularly cover art for a movie that was purchased, the cover art can change without me changing the cover art. And it's the remote location changing it without my authorization. Right. Which I don't understand at all because, you know, I purchased you're it. purchasing something. But anyway. But again, and you know this because we've had this discussion. I may have purchased it, but I don't own the rights to it. I only owe the rights to own the rights to stream it in perpetuity. It. Yep. To yeah. consume it. Um, so I, I can't resell it. I can't gift it. It's mine and only mine. So at least until my will kicks it over to whomever I choose, um, the dog next door. Anyway, um, it says, uh, but after 16 years of a client and his group who rely on donors and volunteers archiving old videos, the TV museum's YouTube channel on August 30th received six copyright strikes for posting 27 Bewitched episodes owned by Sony Pictures Television copyright complaints were sent by MarkScan, a digital asset protection firm, um, that content owners hire to enforce copyrights. So it is what it is. And if you're in violation, then you're in violation. But they seem, client seems to be pretty even keeled about it. Oh, well, they want it gone. I'll pull it off. Um, but, uh, Normally, what's expected of you by the law is you verify you have the rights before you do it. Uh, you can't ask for forgiveness. You have to ask for permission. Otherwise, it can come down on you pretty hard, pretty fast if somebody is pissy about it. Um, so he'll have to wait. If they don't remove all of the strikes, he'll have to wait 90 days. Uh, and then they'll drop. Thankfully, they actually drop over time. But if you get three in a 30-day period, I think it is, then you're gone. Or three within a certain period. I don't know if it's 90 days or 30 days. So there you have it, folks. Ask for permission, not forgiveness. At least when it comes to Sony and or Nintendo. Okay. And Wyoming.
So the next article is over on Gnometown Daily. This one will be quick. Star Trek is getting five new, very short treks. CBS Studios just announced Star Trek Very Short Treks, a set of five animated shorts from Casper Kelly, the Too Many Cooks guy. The first of them will debut this Friday, Star Trek Day, in honor of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek the Animated Series. What? 50 years? Oh, how a single sentence can make a person feel old. Um, you can catch the trailer at the link if you follow it over to The Verge. Let me throw it into... Oh, you know what I didn't do? That article I didn't throw into chat either. My gosh. Slacker, slacker. Um, here's this one. And um, let's just go over to The Verge. Um, it's written by Nathan Edwards. The deck statement says the five animated shorts from the Too Many Cooks guy uh, feature voice actors from a bunch of Star Trek shows and are anything but canon. Um, so they're not even going to really apply. Star Trek Studios announced Star Trek Very Short Treks. Um, there's the, there is the uh, trailer, but you're just going to have to follow the link. I'm not going to even try to play that one. After the first episode, Skin a Cat, launches Friday. The rest will follow on Wednesdays, starting on September 13th. They'll stream at StarTrek.com and the Star Trek YouTube channel. And um, there's the cast. But if you want to watch that trailer, go on over to The Verge. Let's keep on trekking. The next article is over in Technology Today. You can jump in whenever you want, you know. Oh, that one went by too fast. <laughs> Sorry. I was I... just getting my uh, electrons spun up and you were already on the next article. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a speedy host when I need to be. Um, Swedish criminal gangs using uh, fake Spotify streams to launder money. This, if they would put this type of mental energy into actually doing something legit, they'd probably be very... It would be a lucrative enterprise, whatever it is. But criminal gangs behind a rise of bombings and shootings in Sweden in recent years are using fake Spotify streams to launder money, a Swedish newspaper reported on Tuesday. The criminal networks have for several years been using money from drug deals, robberies, fraud, and contract killings to pay for false Spotify streams of songs published by artists with ties to the gangs, an investigative report from Savenska Degbladet. Um, so the article is over at The Guardian. Um, they don't have a name. It just says Agency France Press in Stockholm. Um, investigate, the deck statement is investigation claims networks convert illicit cash to Bitcoin to pay people who sell false streams on the, spot, on the platform. I don't quite get how they do this. So are they trying to, like, are they paying somebody for illicit activities, essentially, but it looks like they're paying them for, I don't even know why they'd be making a payment related to Spotify. Maybe that's what I'm missing. So it looks like they're trying to wash the money through Spotify, but it's still traceable through Spotify. You know, this person paid this. That person is tied to some illegal action. 
It goes to the artist on Spotify. But it says, criminal networks have for several years been using money from drug deals, robberies, fraud, and contract killing to pay for false Spotify streams of songs published by artists with ties to the gangs. They then get paid by the platform for the high number of streams, thereby laundering the money. The newspaper said its information had been confirmed by four gang members from separate criminal networks in Stockholm, as well as an anonymous police investigator. Describing the process, he said the gangs would convert their dirty cash to Bitcoin, then use the cryptocurrency to pay people who sold fake streams on Spotify, which is a, a Swedish company. They made sure we ended up at the top of the charts, he said adding that the fake streams also led to an uptick in real streams. Higher streams led to higher payouts from Spotify. The newspaper said that in Sweden, amassing a million streams pays 40,000 to 60,000 kroner or 2,800 to 4,300 pounds, which that is not a lot of money. (laughs) This is a very complex set uh, it's a pretty high friction to generate only 2,800 pounds, 2,800 to 4,300 pounds. Is that, uh, even if it's in a month, this is just a lot. Maybe it's per person. Yeah, I wondered have... what the time period was, but it still doesn't seem very lucrative. Lucrative, right. Pretty wild. I'm not really following this scheme. Yeah, I mean, I... other than the fact, the moment that they put it into cryptocurrency, it's pretty much washed because you don't know where it's going to exit right but then it it kind of makes you wonder why do they need spotify but i I don't know it's weird this has to be pretty limited in the number of people that are involved in this like everybody's sound like it is oh you mean one scheme for example only involves a few people only a few people yeah yeah like maybe there's three of these Spotify um, filters, you know, but I don't know. It doesn't really say how many. It just says that there's a large number of streams, but who's paying the person to do these stream caps? Because it's not like it's just done. Okay, we're gonna amplify the number of members. It said <laughs> how many gang members. And how many times are they streaming? And how many devices are they streaming on? This is so weird about the complexity of this thing. But okay. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It just seems too high friction to be lucrative. All that effort could have been put into something legitimate and they'd be making more money. <laughs> Sell sneakers, you make more money than that in a weekend. Or legitimate music streams. Yeah. <laughs> if there's some music talent. <laughs> if it's good music, yeah, you make more money there. All right, let's just keep on going. This one's hurting my brain. Um, this next article is over in Hometown Daily. Sand mining is a huge problem. A new global map shows. Um, there's a picture of a dredger that's shooting uh, sand onto a beach in France. Uh, when we go over to the verge, people are dredging an alarming amount of sand from the seafloor. The United Nations Environmental Program warned today. An average of 6 billion tons of sand are taken from the marine environments every year, according to a new global data platform from the UNEP. Um, I, I think this kind of technology is amazing, but it is environmentally a nightmare because 
all of this soil, this sand, dirt, rocks, whatever, that's sitting somewhere has been decided by nature that that's where it goes. And when humans start disrupting it, it disrupts the flow of the, the ebb and flow of water. The Hawaiian coastline has been disrupted because people have put breaker walls out from, from their property and it has disrupted the flow of water along the coastline, changing where it erodes and then causing greater issues. Um, so it says here in the deck statement, sand is a ubiquitous construction material and that's taking a growing toll on coastal ecosystems and communities. Justine Kalma over at The Verge put this article together. Um, they mentioned the 6 billion tons and then they say that comes out to more than 1 million dump trucks of sand extract. How many surveillance bus, balloon bus combos is 1 million dump trucks? <laughs> Probably quite a few. Do you think it's a one-to-one -one ratio? Uh, because the scientific... Here, let me oh, grab this. like is a dump truck equivalent to a school bus? Correct. Is a dump truck equivalent to a school bus in volume? Huh. I'm only asking the important questions, folks. <laughs> anyway, so... I'm still trying to figure out the Spotify scheme. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my sentient AI, folks. Um, having a hard time wrapping their bits around. So that thought started going the wrong way. Anyway, so they're going out to the seafloor, grabbing up all of the sand and then throwing it onto a big pile. And they're use, using it for various purposes from making breaker walls in the ocean um, to possibly expanding the territory um, which isn't unheard of. I mean, we've done that here in various places. Here being the United States, not hometown. We're just a bunch of electrons. The simulation out of control, so to speak. So um, they say it's not sustainable. The amount of sand that we're withdrawing from the environment is considerable and has large impacts. Pascal Paduzzi, um director of the UNEP Center for Analytics called Grid Geneva, said in a press release today, he compared the problem to deforestation or overfishing when people are using a resource faster than it can be replenished. Because to replenish would mean that all of this would have to be eroded back to where it originally is. And these guys go way out and dredge up whatever sand might be compatible with whatever their engineering effort is. Um, so it turns into a hot mess later on. Um, and I don't think that they really understand the long-term ramifications of vacuuming up the seafloor and then throwing it on the surface hundreds of miles away. So it says concrete happens when the second most widely used substance in the world after water, it happens to be. Uh, and sand is a main ingredient in the ubiquitous building material. Glass and semiconductor chips are also made from silica sand. That's the very, very, very refined sand. I wouldn't lump it all together, but it comes from sand. Uh, there are also a lot of artificial shorelines around the world, such as newly built islands for former wetlands paved over to expand a city's footprint. Manhattan is like that. Um, it was much smaller and it's been oozed out via docks and sedimentation. 
Um, the uh, seemingly insatiable demand for sand takes a toll, unfortunately, as rising sea levels shrink shorelines. Some communities rely on sand dredged from the nearby seafloor to replenish beaches. In the future, there could be less of that sand available for coastal defenses. And when companies take sand from the rivers, less sediment flows down to coastlines that need it. They keep on talking about basically what I've been saying. Um, and it's it, it the ramifications are unknown long term but we know what it's supposed to look like naturally what it could what damage it could cause later on who knows right. well it's, not only are we disrupting it and then we're obviously not replenishing it so you know what does that mean for habitat and for tides and just yeah. any number of things Anything that might have been living there gets scraped up and the it doesn't necessarily redeposit. Other life doesn't come and redeposit because the nature of the floor bed is now barren of sand. It could be nothing more than rocks, which means that a different life is going to form there um, because some rely on the sand to survive. Others rely on rocks to survive. So who knows what's going to end up there? Anyway. Um, humans do what humans do and they adapt and overcome, but in that process, they may create great, they may create great harm in the process of surviving themselves. You know, this is the first article I've seen in hometown or otherwise about this topic, not mining, but sand mining. Yeah. That's because this particular issue is something that people have been doing for years and years and years, but somebody's paying attention to it now because somewhere along the line, they've detected some harm that's been done. So UNEP spins up and then starts reporting out the data. Um, so you don't know what you don't know. And there are idiots out there that'll sit there and go, well, don't ask questions. Eh. You don't know what you don't know. So you ask questions until you know what you don't know. crazy concept back to the money laundering that my statement hurt my own brain um so the next and final article for tonight is over in the mobile channel bit by bit microplastics from tires are polluting our waterways we've actually spoken about this before um but in a different article i'm just going to go straight on over to the fizz.org site um, griffith university is the author of this uh, what they have found is essentially that tire wear over things like grates and road damage is stripping off pieces of tire and then it's ending up in the waterways. Um, pollution of our waterways by microplastics and an emerging environmental concern due to the persistence and accumulation of uh, in aquatic animals, uh, organisms. <laughs> Let me just jump in real quick. It's not just accumulation in aquatic organisms. It's a, accumulating in human beings. Simply by drifting yeah. through the air and we inhale it. <laughs> but for it to be permeating our food supply and the food supply for our food supply means that it's going to um, keep it's kind of like heavy metals it's going to keep on building up and then when you eat something it's going to be inside you in larger quantities this i can guarantee you is happening right now 
Um, but researchers are just now finding out about this stuff. Two years ago, this was not a, a debatable discussion. Uh, I would have been referred to as a wingnut for even talking about microplastics. And now it's almost one of the preeminent threats like heavy metals um, and forever chemicals, pollution, plastic, microplastics, um, and my macroplastics, larger pieces than five nanometers, um, are microns. Uh, combined is a massive threat to health. We don't know what it's doing to us because it's so new, yet we know that it's causing damage because we, the researchers, not me, but researchers have found it migrating through our anatomy. <laughs> um, so uh, this is brand new stuff. This is the beginning of it, of its introduction into the food supply um, and into the ecosystem. Stormwater runoff, which contains a mixture of sediment, chemical, organic, and physical pollutants, is a critical pathway for microplastics washed off from the urban environments during rain and into local aquatic habitats. But today, their knowledge of the... This is funny because I could have written this. Um, if I could focus long enough to do an article like this, uh, I could write this article. But to date, our knowledge of the amount of microplastics in urban stormwater, particularly tire wear particles is limited as is the potential strategies we could use to minimize this source. The only way to stop this is to stop using plastic because it's going to keep on breaking off from every mill of plastic we have. It chips at the nanometer level. Um, and then we have these little plastic spears that run around and penetrate various organs it's been found in lungs and livers and stomachs and all kinds of stuff muscle fiber all kinds of places tire rubber contains up to 2500 chemicals with the contaminants that leach from tires considered more toxic to bacteria and microalgae algae um i like saying algae um than other plastic polymers they're not talking about what it's doing to humans because they don't truly know but they know that it can be toxic to us as well. Well, right. And I mean, this is kind of saying, hey, it's toxic to the environment. Well, guess what? It's going to be toxic <laughs> to humans too once they actually get some data from it. Yeah, and they're doing that research. So their study quantified and characterized microplastics and tire wear particles in both stormwater runoff and sediment of the stormwater drainage systems in Queensland. This is actually ongoing research from other studies that have been done in Queensland. Um, we talked about it in a previous um, show, but I don't remember when it was. You'd have to look for microplastics. I typically include microplastics in the titles. So if you do a search in the YouTube channel for microplastics, it'll probably pull up everything that we've talked about, as well as if you look on hometown.com. <coughs> I'm sorry. I tried to breathe and swallow at the same time. Um, they also assess the effectiveness of a stormwater treatment device to capture and remove these contaminants from stormwater and evaluated the role of a constructed stormwater wetland for capturing microplastics in the sediment, removing it from stormwater runoff. The device is a bag made of 0.2 millimeter mesh. That's typically the size of microplastics. 0.5 is macro, um, if I remember properly. Um, 
It says, although originally designed to capture gross pollutants, sediment, litter, and oil in Greece, it significantly uh, reduced microplastics from raw runoff with up to 88% less microplastics in treated water, which had passed through the device. Sediment samples collected from the inlet and outlet of the constructed um, stormwater wetland contained between 1,450 to 4,740 particles in every kilogram of sediment with more that microplastics. That statistic is just really alarming. Yeah, per kilo. But I like so, the 88% statistic. That's a good one. Yep. Um, so I'm glad that they're doing this research. They will have to continue. And the the problem is there's nobody that can be held accountable for this except for the entirety of society and every manufacturer. Um, because there, there's no, like forensically, you may be able to find out the mill of the plastic and maybe there might be somebody that makes it. Kind of like with metallurgy, if you can analyze lead, lead is so finite for its sources that you can figure out where it's produced uh, because of its constituent components. But plastic isn't necessarily like that. Um, so filtering is where it's at. And now the filtering is going to have to be so sophisticated at every location everywhere to try and pull microplastics out of the system before it makes it back into the system anyway. Um, Which plus of we're course, surrounded. as you've said, is like we got to tackle it at the root, right? Which is reduce the use of plastics to begin with. Yep. My headphones cable is wrapped in plastic and theoretically it's breaking off microplastics all the time. And that's just the that's thing comforting. that I'm, that's just the thing that's sitting in my hand right now. Just imagine all the rest of the stuff, every keyboard, every cup that you're drinking out of every, everything. Yeah. You know, but I, I can honestly say that I'm moving away from plastic cups, moving to steel glass um, but it's dangerous when you have children so you can't necessarily endorse that with everybody hey you sh should switch to ball jars um, with metal lids and and no rubber lining because the plastic lining can break off into your drink um, but you can use glass to your heart's content it's infinitely recyclable <laughs> um, Whereas plastic is almost is more toxic when it's being recycled because it off gases some pretty horrible stuff, um, and it continues to flake off at every given moment. So, where are we in this? Other than everybody should switch over to metal, um, but you have to worry about the lining being coated in plastic. Otherwise, it's going to be reactive to chemicals um, uh, or you switch to glass, which is non it's pretty much non-reactive to anything. But you have to be careful because too hot, it can break. Um, if you drop it, it'll shatter. We need more robust mills of glass, but then that probably might have some knock on other 
negative effect. I don't know. I don't know what the strongest glass is that can be used as a drinking vessel. Um, I mean, if they make drinking vessels out of the glass that is used for iPhone glass, Gorilla Glass. Well, that's true. Yeah. Maybe I can drop it and it won't shatter. But I've seen people drop their devices and it shatters brilliantly, you know. Oh, well. We'll keep on talking about this kind of stuff. It's important. Um, and uh, at the end of every show, we're done, by the way. Um, so we're going to take you back to Main Street. We mash that welcome sign. And uh, we look about the newest articles to see if there's anything interesting that's going to be coming down the line. Apple signs a new agreement with ARM that goes past 2040. Um, if See, this, I'm not sure exactly what the terms are for this because Apple's already taken... My understanding is that Apple owns its own independent ARM license and not an agreement, but they wholly own their own. This must be an extension. My understanding is that Apple has their own. That's how they have the M1, M2, upcoming M3 processors. Um, because they've done their, they've taken the core of ARM and then modified it to their own heart's content. <clears throat> so I'm not sure what this is. So we should include that for tomorrow and I can do some due diligence. Um, oh, that's sad. Um, so let's see. Oh, we can't talk about that because we haven't watched it yet. That's that right. Star Wars Spoiler character. Son of a gun. Um, break into writing for alumni magazines. If you're a writer, Breaking Prose is the channel um, over on hometown.com. If you click that link, it'll pull up all of the Breaking Prose articles. Um, if you're into writing, it has a lot of uh, material there for you. What else? I don't know. Oh, there God. was something about North Korea using stolen crypto to fund its nuclear program oh wow yeah there it is hundreds of millions of dollars in crypto to fund nuclear program ay 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 what a world if we all work together we'd be colonizing the moon and mars and heading off to far flung places but we're too busy planting land doing that Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, doing that yeah that's saying what I was trying to say, but not saying what I said. <laughs> I like that. That's a whole lot better. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty much it. Mm. Starfield creator on choice anxiety, long games, and exclusive titles. There's been people that are ranting and raving about Starfield, and some numbnuts went off about the... Uh, what what's the things what what are they um like they them oh pronouns oh yeah. that was related to starfield yeah the guy was like that pissed off about starfield having pronouns selection in a in a game where you're allowed to choose right you customize he's pissed off. i know you customize your character but yeah yeah he's pissed off because there was choice So narrow-minded twit. Anyway, hurts nobody and gives choice. Um, 
and inclusion and equity in a game that they were going, it gave me the ability to decide my character and then says that kind of stupid stuff. I'm like, come on, dude. Additional features does not limit you from enjoying the game. Well, they can't be happy unless nobody else gets that vanilla ice cream. Only he is allowed to have vanilla ice cream. Anyway, green hydrogen on the horizon? Mm, I don't know. Zoom announces a new AI companion. Well, that's not creepy. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll go through all of the news and we'll have another 12 articles tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. So that's it for today. Until next time, I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. Up there is the AI that's going to say bye. And we will see you tomorrow. You want to say bye? Good night, hometown citizens. We will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye-bye. Bye-bye again. <laughs>